Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dominic from Gold Street Garden Church. We're so thankful to have you on the podcast channel. Today's message is entitled, Indescribable Gift. We had our very dear friend, Joe Turnbull, come testifying of all God is doing across the globe as he's been working on the front lines for CFAN, Christ for All Nations. He's been seeing whole cities come to these gospel events and receive the Lord. And now that he's back on American soil, there's a mandate from CFAN to start doing this right here in the States. And as he was sharing the testimonies and filling the room with faith, this precise word removed all excuses and graced the room with an invitation to surrender to the true head of the church, which is Christ Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing the altar full of fresh yeses to King Jesus. And that's where this night left us as we embark on a greater journey. I'm telling you, this is going to bless you. Second Corinthians 9.15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, man, good evening, Gold Street. It's a blessing to be here. I actually wish I was here next week because I personally know Chris Garcia. He is a man of God, and Jackie Baker is probably one of my favorite worship leaders. He really helped me get through a dry season where I was just worshiping like from the outside, and I was just talking about Jesus, and I wasn't really ascending to Jesus. And when I started listening to Jackie, I, I began to ascend, you know, on high, you know, with the Holy One. And that's where we want to be. Um, that's where our hearts want to be. So excited to be here. I know Pastor Dom is watching, so um, give it up for Pastor Dom, guys. <clears throat> you know, a lot's happened since I've been here. Um, in my walk, but I really feel like God gave me a word just for you guys tonight. And uh, God's just been really blessing my heart the last few days. I've been able to take some time off, uh, some time with my family. Um, God's just really been touching my heart. And that's the most important thing. You can see the world gets saved. Um, but if, you know, your heart isn't being touched by the Lord and you're not touching your family, you know, it's for nothing. Um, that, that will all, you know, wash away, you know, and uh, I'm just blessed to be here tonight. And uh, I'm here to tell you guys tonight um, that you don't have to worry. That's what God really put on my heart is that you guys don't have to worry. And you said, Joe, worry about what? And uh, he just gave me a few lines, and this is what he spoke to me. He says, you know, you don't have to worry about being overlooked, that you don't have to worry about being successful. You don't have to worry about being in a place of honor. Um, you don't have to worry about being noticed that he sees you. He sees you. That he hasn't looked past you. He knows right where you're at. He knows right where you want to be. And he's right next to you right now. That sometimes we think he's so far off and that, you know, you're like, man, where's, where's my spot? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be? And I'm here to tell you that he is here with you tonight. And he sees you. He sees your heart. He sees who you are. And he just wants to love you. And he wants to use you. And he wants to mold you. He wants you to be the best version of you. That's it. And uh, I want to go straight to scripture tonight. There's a lot of things I could say about a lot of people, a lot of 
cool quotes and a lot of different things and a lot of different stories, but how many people know the best story is the word of God? And so I want to open up our Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to start off verses 6 through 15. So if you just have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, open up your Bible app. If you thought you were just coming here to um, receive in freedom and like soak and stuff, you know, please just get out your Bible right now because it's the Word of God that renews your mind. It's the Word of God that increases your faith. And when we read along the Word of God, we actually, um, you know, there's false teachers out there. You know, and you better make sure I'm saying the right thing. You better not just take my word for it, my opinion for it, or anything like that. It doesn't matter who you're listening to. You can go on YouTube. You got these cool five-minute videos and all this stuff that you can listen to while you're driving, and you don't know what someone's saying. But when you open this Bible, you can know what he says. And that's the most important thing tonight. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start off with verse 6, and we're going to read all the way through 15, um, because the word of God preaches better than evangelist Joe Turnbull. Verse 6 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will abound in every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Because of the proof this ministry provides, the saints will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ. Hallelujah. And for the generosity of your contribution to them and to all others. And their prayers for you will express their affection for you. Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Verse 15. I want you to listen closely. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, most times when people use a scripture, it's used in what? Tithes and offerings. It's about giving of money, of time, and, you know, we just did that. But what I want you to do is when we read that scripture, I want to look at it from a different perspective tonight. I'm here to tell you tonight that God says you are the indescribable gift. That's who you are. 
You're the gift. So I want you to just, where's that piano guy? He left. It's okay. That would have been really cool. I would have been like Chris Garcia and Jackie Baker. But it's cool. You can still come up. But I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can do more in one moment than someone could preach in five hours. And I want you to close your eyes just for a moment because God specifically told me tonight that you are a gift from God. You are a gift that he knows every hair on your head. I don't want you guys looking around. I want you looking at your neighbor. I want you looking up front. I want you to close your eyes right now because God is about to show you the beauty inside of you that he made. The beautiful gift that he made to the world. The gift is you. He created you. He knew you in, her, in your mother's womb and he formed you unique. You're special. You're loved. No one is like you. You're the only gift that is on this planet. You know, you can go into a store and you can purchase one, two, or three items of the same thing, but there's only one you. There's no replica. You're not in an assembly line. You're special in his eyes. A gift to the world. And I believe right now, he wants to speak to you about the gifts he's placed inside of you. The talents, the abilities, a lot of times we ponder on the negativity and where we can look to be better and what we can do to be more. But a gift is what he created. And that's the original you. So right now I believe just for a few moments he wants to restore that image of you that he made. Jesus, I pray for hearts right now. I pray for minds right now, strongholds to be broken. Jesus, touch people's minds right now. like you he loves everyone the same but he loves uniquely man there's things that he wants to break off tonight so that gift that you have can shine to the world you are so special 
this church, your family, this town, this region, this world needs you. God needs you. God needs you. Verse 15, when it says indescribable gifts, there's not words that can describe what you mean to God and what you mean to your area, what you mean to your family and what you mean to this world. There's not words that can describe that. You know, I believe we're in a time, we're in a place where that we're in lack of honor of one another, lack of honoring who we are, how unique someone is, the differences that we have. We are coming into a society where we feel like we have to be conformed. You know, I was listening to one of you know, the fathers in the faith who I consider to be like, man, just a man of God, his name's Dan Moeller. And he said something so beautiful. He said that, you know, we, you know, we can be unique. We can be different and we can still be unified. That's the purpose. That's why God made everyone different. That's why he made everything so diverse. That's why he made different ethnicities, different skin colors, different hair colors, different eyes, you know, because he wanted true unity. If everyone was the same, then unity wouldn't be a hard thing. It wouldn't. And uh, I'm here to tell you tonight that the more you give of yourself, the more of a gift you will be to others. You know, it's time that we stop holding our giftings to ourselves in fear just of what people think, of rejection of these different things that come through our head is like, man, will people really like me? Are they gonna, are they gonna understand me? Or, you know, man, I just don't know if I fit in with that crowd. Let me tell you something. When you have Jesus, you fit in with every crowd because he made you for everyone. I can't, I can't, I don't understand it all, but all I know is that I get to travel around the the world. I go to different countries. I go into different villages and different things, you know what? And I'm accepted because I have the gift of Jesus inside of me and the love of Christ in me. And he made me specific for a gift to be to the world. And uh, the greatest thing about a gift is we all know, what's the best thing about a gift? Can anybody tell me? It's free, that's what I'm talking about. Everybody leaves a free gift. How many people leave a free gift? You're good. How many people love free gifts? I love free gifts. My kids, you know, uh, I, made, I didn't make a mistake, but the first time I went away to Africa, I was away for months and I was like, man, I'm gonna buy a bunch of gifts. <laughs> so I came home, I have like 15 gifts and they're all unwrapping them, you know? And every time I come home now, what's the first thing you think they say? Dad, where's my gifts? Dad, where's my gifts? And if I don't give more than like two or three gifts, they're like, yo, where's all the gifts? And, uh, you know, that's the greatest thing about a gift that it's free. When you get a gift on Christmas and you get a present, you get that thing, man, you're just like so excited. And guess what? It doesn't even have to be that good. How many people know like, 
you know, when you get a free gift, it's like, oh man, that's awesome. You know, it's okay, but it's free, so it makes it that much better. And uh, I remember I used to, you know, drive through McDonald's, you know, and I see buy the, bar, buy the large fries, large shamrock shakes, and I get the Monopoly things just to see if I get a free gift, and I never got one. How many people ever won, like, a, something really cool? Really? Well, pray for me after. I want that anointing on me. And um, I would waste all kinds of money to get a free gift. You know, how many people have done that? 50-50 raffle, uh, you know, the people that think God told them to play the lottery, you know, scratch-offs, you know, all that stuff. You know, and you're just all like, man, I just want to be blessed. <sighs> you spend all that money trying to get a free gift. <sighs> but there is one person who it's not free for. And that's the person who gives it. It costs them something. You know, there's a cost to a gift when you receive it. And uh, the one gift that we all know, you know, is the gift of salvation. That's one gift that everyone has. Everyone in this room, you either have the gift of salvation or guess what? You are going to receive the gift of salvation tonight. And this gift, it was purchased for a price. In 1 Peter verse, uh, 1, verses 18 and 19, it says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life you inherited from your forefathers, but the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. That word redeem means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. So the gift that you received, this gift of salvation, this gift of freedom that you received, when you walked in here into the service and you're feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, guess what? That's a free gift that you experience by walking in this door. But that free gift was purchased with a price, and it wasn't by gold or silver, but it was by the precious blood of Jesus. You see, you are a gift to this world, but guess what? You are not a gift if it's not costing you anything. Just like Nate said, you're, you're being selfish, a self-centered life, and you're really wondering why you're not flourishing, why you're gifting, and why you're talent. You're just like, man, why am I being overlooked? Why am I not being seen? All of these things is because you, you ask, but you ask with the wrong motive in your heart. You're asking from a selfish standpoint. When this gift that you have, this life that you have, I promise you this, the more that you sow your life into the kingdom of God, guess what? The more you are going to reap. And many of you receive this gift, and many people, you're not using it. We come in a, in a culture nowadays that, you know, we're just trying to get through the day. Or we're listening, we're putting on our YouTube worship music, we're just trying to get through work. You know, we're going home and we're just trying to get through the night, we're just trying to think about the next day and the next work. And, you know, you're, you're basing life off of your natural abilities and your natural talents. But let me tell you something, when, the whole, when you receive the Holy Spirit, 
and the gifting that comes upon your life and you start operating from a place from the Holy Spirit, there's a grace that comes upon you like no other and you can run like no other, you can get through the day like no other and you can have victory like no other and you can have joy like no other and you can have peace like no other and you can have hope like no other and you can have faith like no other and let me tell you something, you're gonna look a little different. But the thing is this, is that the more that you sow this gift into the world, the more that you sow this gospel, this Holy Spirit, the person who you are, the more that you begin to serve others and not yourself. And you're not worried about your calling and where you're supposed to be and where you're going. You're not worried that you're, you're not worried about your job. You know, you're working really hard and the boss is just overlooking you and you feel like, man, just, man, does anyone see me? Does anyone see what I'm doing? When you're taking care of your family and you're, you know, cooking your dishes and, you know, you're cooking your meals, you're washing your dishes and you're doing all these things and you're like, man, does anyone see me? The problem is, is we all want to be seen. We want to take those selfie shots. We want to take those Facebook photos. We want to show the world like what we're doing, who we are, so we can feel gratitude and self-satisfaction. But let me tell you something, man. When you lay down your life for Jesus and you start to not care about those things, and you're sowing from a place of servitude, and you're sowing from a place where you don't care about honor, where you don't care about glory, where you don't care about being recognized, you don't care about promotion, you don't care about success, you don't care about money, and you're just serving people around you because you love people. And you know if they experience this love that you have, this salvation that you have, this freedom that you have, and people are just dumbfounded, be like, man, what? What is different about this person? It's because they're flowing from a different river. It's because they're flowing from a different place. They're flowing from a life laid down. And when you lay down your life, when you begin to sow, and you begin to sow, and you begin to sow your life into others, and you begin to serve others and others' visions and different things, guess what? God will begin to blossom inside of you, and guess what? The glory of God will come upon you, and you won't have to worry about people looking at you, because when you walk into a room, you're going to look a little different. You're going to sound a little different. You're going to be a peculiar person, a person not of this world. People are going to know there's something different about you. And guess what? Your life will preach the gospel. Your life will preach it. There's a difference thing, you know, in, in this time, in this culture that we're in. There's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of people thinking they're doing something about it. But guess what? They are not walking it out and living and being about it. Why? Because we want to be in a culture of self-satisfaction. If we don't get enough likes on our Facebook, we think automatically something is wrong. That was the wrong picture. That was the wrong quote. That was the wrong thing to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe it was the right thing for one person. And I really believe tonight, like, I really believe this, that, you know, in the verse, you know, where it says in verse 9, he has scattered abroad and give, he has given his gifts to the poor. That's you. That's me. That's plural. That's many. When he says he's given his gifts to the poor, when you become blood-bought by Jesus, guess what? You are more precious than gold and silver. And the rest of the world, guess what just happened? You have a revelation of how poor they are and how rich you've become. Because something purchased at a higher price.
Something purchased you at a higher price. Guess what? That puts you what? The head and not the tail no more. That doesn't mean like you're going to lead your own business and you're going to be a multimillionaire. You're going to do all these things. And I pray, God, that all happens. But when it says it makes you the head, not the tail, that means you're a blood blot believer. And guess what? You're above all the rest. You're above all things. You sit at the right hand of the Father. So when you walk into a place, you walk in with confidence. You walk in with faith. Because guess what? You sit at the right hand of the Father with the Almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you walk into an area, when you walk into a situation, he's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the power to get through any situation that you have in your life. Many people want to do these self-help books and they want to watch YouTube and they want to do the three steps to peace and all this nonsense. But let me tell you something. You start reading the word of God. You start really reading it, not just picking up your Bible app, reading one verse, but you digest that thing and you become more and more like him. No matter where you walk, no matter where you feet, your feet land, guess what? The devil is going to be scared of you. And I don't care what situation you walk in, God's going to give you vision over that situation that's above everyone else's vision in that room. Why? Because you're a king's kid. Because he wants to put you on high. Because the moment he puts you on high, guess what? He's going to draw men to you. The moment you put him on high in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, he will put you on high because you know he knows you will glorify him, you will exalt him, and all people around you will know him. That's what it comes down to. That's it, is people around you knowing him, living a life from the gospel. Whew. Let me tell you something. Because of the proof of this ministry provides, the saints will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity of your contribution to them and to all others. You're the contribution. Your life. Your time. Like Nate was saying, your time. We waste so much time trying to better who we are and where we're at. But if we spent more time with him, he would give us wisdom how to get there quicker. The more that we would become like him, the more that we would digest truth, the more that we would yield to the spirit and have kindness inside of us. Proverbs says this, that if you bear truth and kindness around your neck, guess what? You will have favor from all men. It doesn't say saved or unsaved. It says all men. You want to know how to get favor? Spend time with Jesus. And show Jesus to others. Honor people. Love people. Be kind. Be patient. Be all these things. And I promise you, he will set you apart. And there's many gifts that he gives us. And like I said, he makes us all difference. And, uh, you know, I just need a drink of water. Man, I love him. And I just, I really want you to grab a hold of this because this has changed my life. I didn't uh, watch a YouTube video and receive this. This is, um, this is what God has shown me. 
And he showed me all tonight that you guys are all gifts to the world. And that the beauty about God is that he made us all different, these different gifts to the poor, because guess what? He needs all of us to accomplish as well. And that's where the unity comes in. You know, it says the world will know us by what? Our love for one another. When we love one another and we honor the giftings in other people's life, and we begin to work together as one and we don't exalt one gifting over the other, we don't exalt a preference over another, we don't exalt a type of ministry over another ministry, but when we see all the ministries come together, when you see all the giftings come together, where we're not exalting a gifting on a platform, but when we see the gifting start to forge in a church, in an area, in a region, that is where we begin to see true city transformation. You say, what do we have to awaken to? We have to awaken to one another, being in love with one another, another honoring each other's giftings, working together, what to build the kingdom of God. And, uh, the, you know, there's many different gifts, gifts of the body. You know, there's apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, prophets. People get words of wisdom, words of knowledge. There's gifts of faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, uh, ministry of helps, gifts of serving, gifts of love, unity gifts. There's many different gifts throughout the whole, bo- the whole body, but I know this one thing that everyone does have, this one gift that everyone has, and that's the gift of love. And that's the gift of God. And, you know, the beauty about my job and what I get to do is um, I, work, I work for Christ for All Nations, and my job is to go into cities and take cities for Jesus. That's it. My job is to walk into a region, walk into an area, see the vision over the land, start meeting with the people, and guess what I'm doing when I'm meeting with those people? I'm finding out what their gifting is. I'm beginning to find out different giftings in different places and different things, and guess what? I'm beginning to honor each person and each gift. And when I walk into that area and I start meeting people and I see the gift of God on someone's life, I honor it and I put it in the order and I put it in the structure, and guess what? When you see the body start working together and you see that happen, city transformation explodes. It explodes. We're talking about true unity. We're talking about Christ being the head. We're not talking about a pastor being the head. We're not talking about an apostle being the head. We're not talking about a great teacher being the head. We're not talking about a charismatic person being the head and thinking that they know all what's best for them and what's best for their town and best for their people. We're talking about when God is the head and he bestows these gifts upon men and you truly have a fivefold activated with all the other giftings incorporated around and everyone honoring each other, guess what, and honoring the gifting equally across the board. That is what true unity looks like, true humility looks like, and I've seen it time and time again. When I go into the land, I find the apostles, and I'm like, my God, here's some apostles. I find some teachers, and I'm like, man, here's some teachers. And what we do in these different uh, crusades, these different events, and I'll show you a video here in a real quick, because you're going to be like, man, why is he talking about this? Because if you grab a hold of this in this church, and you start to see your gifting, and you start executing, and you start walking this thing out, and you start becoming one, guess what? You're going to see an explosion like you've never seen before.
And when you start honoring other people, when you start honoring the gifting in someone's life and you start serving and using one another, guess what? You're gonna see something you never, never seen before. So what we do is when we go into a place, we build a structure, we have a strategy, we have a board of advisors. You know, these are the apostles of the land. These are the fathers of the faith, people who have been treading the water. And then we have different committees. We have a follow-up committee. And those are the people who are going to do the discipleship. These are going to be your teachers. These are going to be your pastors. You know, and then we have the technical committee. These are going to be people that have a gift of serving, man. And let me tell you something, that the person that it's stacking the, stacking the ladders, the person that's stacking the platform, building the stage, they get just as much as a reward as the person preaching on the stage. Just as much as a reward. Gift of serving the people. We have ushers committee and they're lining up the people and they're making way and they're making sure everyone gets a decision card. Then we have a hospitality team, people that have gift of a hospitality. And then when they begin to serve, when they get to love and they get to honor people, when they come in and they have the place feels really good, guess what? God's heart begins to manifest. And he sees, man, that's my family getting along. That's the body of Christ beginning to work together. And then all of a sudden, when he starts seeing unity, when he starts seeing true unity, people operating in their full gifting and everyone taking a step aside and letting people, you know, come up with them. Coming up with them, being a part, playing a role that you're just not another person that's stacking a chair. Guess what? You have a gifting on your life, and when you're sowing into that, guess what? You're reaping what everyone else is reaping. That's what that looks like. And I, I you know, me, I'm an evangelist. You know, I like to go into places, and I like to steamroll places. I like to take out a hammer, and I like to just swing it as hard as I can. And I'm just like... You know, that's who I am. When I see a problem, guess what I want to do? I want to take my hammer out and I just want to beat it. I just want to go up to someone. I just want to tell them what time it is and be like, yo, this is what we're doing. This is what we got to do. This is what it is. But I've done that and I've seen it damage. That's why I've had awesome people come along my life, pastors that come along my life that teach me how to be gentle, that teach me how to be kind. You know, people are like, man, Joe, you just, you can't talk like that. And it's like, it's not coming from a bad place in my heart. It's just, I'm just steamrolling this place. You know, the devil's going down. And then, you know, there's times in my life where like, you know, I think I'm the one hearing from the Lord and it's just me and I got this vision and I'm gonna execute this thing and I'm gonna do it. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? A little prophet comes along. And this prophet has a word from the Lord. I'm just like, ah, Joe, you can't do that. You say, Joe, what do you mean? I was, uh, I was just in Zambia just a few weeks ago. And uh, we were, man, I'm telling you, we were in a battle. I'm talking like a battle like no other. I'm talking like when you think, you know, you can fight something on your own, you're like, no, you need to find every person that's gifted. You need to lock arms with them. And you're like, man, we're going to war. Literally, I get into the city and I'm driving around the town. I was like, man, something feels a little different about this town. I don't really know what, because I'm thinking like an evangelist. And I'm like, man, this place is just about to get rocked no matter what. I don't care what is happening. The gospel is being preached, you know. And so literally, I'm going into this town and I'm, you know, doing this. The first night rolls around. I'm walking up on the stage and I'm looking around, you know, and I'm looking to the left and there's a tree full of about 25 people. 
And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I'm like five minutes on stage. The tree starts shaking, shh, and it snaps, and everybody, the tree falls with everyone in it. And I'm like, what in the world is going on there? I grab the microphone as fast as I can because everybody's stampeding over there. And I'm like, everyone lift your hands and praise Jesus. You know, everyone just stops and they're like, oh, they forget everything's going on because, you know, it's just, it's just a trick of the trade. And so, yeah, there's a lot of tricks. Don't be swayed by men. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and so literally the tree falls and I was like, okay, this is, this is wild. I'm like, I'm not thinking anything of it. You know, I'm not like, you know, I know the spirit of the Lord, but like, I'm not going to like, oh, what does this mean in the prophetic? Let me look up tree and let me see what God's really doing. You know, that's not my gifting. That's not how I flow. That's not what I do. You know, I'm just an evangelist. We steamroll places. And then I was like, okay. So I was like, wow, that was crazy. Then the next day rolls around and I get a phone call and it was at like two o'clock and it's all like the sound system just blew up. And we're like in a remote village, you know, and like the whole soundboard blows, everything blows up. And I'm like, thank God for the gifting of somebody who's technically sound minded. God's given the wisdom in a trade. Let me tell you something. When, you, when I say it takes everyone to take a city for Jesus, I'm talking about all types of people. You think you're naturally talented at something for a reason? No, God has placed a gifting upon your life and you need to use that for the kingdom of God. You need to figure out how to do that. And you have the best pastor in this city that knows how to utilize your gifting to build a kingdom of God. We have some of the top people from around the world work at our crusade, our crusade stages. You know, we have the guy who runs the Justin Timberlake tour. He runs the whole sound, the whole lighting, the whole show for it. And guess what? He comes out to Africa and he serves there in Africa for like, Matt Winter knows a hundredth of the cost, you know, like really cheap compared to what he's getting paid to do for those things. People that are gifted and talented in very different aspects, and these guys are on the ground. They've never seen this in the last 20 years. The soundboard's blown, you know, and I'm sitting there and I was all, I'm just like, this is even crazier. Sound blows and that night, like we literally, we literally, we go to the stage. There's only three speakers. There's like 36,000 people. And we have like a PA system like this. And we're just like, we're just going to preach the gospel because we're evangelists and that's what we do. Wild. And I'm sitting there. I was like, I'm starting to get this feeling. I'm like, something isn't right in this city. But it wasn't like a fear. I was like, something's not, something's, something's not right. And I was like, man, we need to begin to pray. I said, call the pastors, have them start praying, get the people praying. So we wake up the next morning and I get a video at 10 a.m. in the morning and a little tornado's swirling through the field. I get this video, swirling through the field, takes out a tent, goes through our whole thing, messing up everything around us. And we're sitting there and we're like, it's a tornado. There's a tornado that went through the field. I was like, yo, God wants to take this city. The devil is angry. The devil's mad because I'm telling you, the first night was crazy off the charts. We prayed for the sick and, you know, like the wheelchairs are going up, the crutches are going up. And, you know, me, I'm acting like I know what I'm doing and I'm going over there and I'm giving interviews, taking testimonies. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the last testimony. And God like laughs at me and he's all like, no, it's not. And a wheelchair flew up and I was like, I just put the microphone down. I walked away and I was like, worship team, you guys take over, you know, just, you know, I'm going to get out of the way. You know, they have a great gift. And like, I promise you this, that I, I just wish people would, just, if we just worshiped, I'd be cool. Like, I don't have to listen to anybody 
preaching. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. You're not going to need anybody preaching. And so that whole thing took off. But I'm telling you, like a tree fell, sound system blew, tornado blew through the thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, we got to pray. And then all of a sudden, like the director comes in. He's a director of crusade. This guy has a gift of organization, a gift of administration. And he's literally like coming in. He's all like, yo, what is going on? You're the evangelist. You need to tell us like what's going on. And I'm like sitting there. I was all like, God, you need to speak to me. And literally, I remember the first day that I was driving around the town, I'm driving around this circle. And then all of a sudden I see in the middle of the circle, a huge crocodile. I see a huge crocodile. I was like, man, we ain't in Florida. And it's this big crocodile. And like, I get this image of a crocodile in my head. And I was all like, yo, what's up with this crocodile? And my director slicks to me. He goes, he goes, they celebrate the day of the crocodile here. And I was like, who is this crocodile? What do you mean celebrate the day of the crocodile? I was like, this is crazy. And the first night, the chief of the Pumbaa tribe came, and they were the original tribe that went into this village, and his, on his chief hat, I remembered he had little crocodiles on it. And I was like, crocodiles gotta go. And I was like, the crocodiles gotta go. And I was like, yo, call the bishops, call the apostles, call the prophets, call everybody that's important in the city, call the chief of the Pumbaa tribe, call the city mayor. The city mayor got saved the first night on the stage. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. And so like they call everyone and we're, I'm like, yo, look, we have to deal with this crocodile spirit. And you're like, man, what's a crocodile spirit, Joe? I, I don't know. I just made it up. You know, I was like, you know, it just sounds, sounds really cool. Nate's like, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? I was like, yo, the crocodile spirit. He's like, what? And, you know, maybe Chris Garcia might speak on a crocodile next week and you can be like, whoa, you know. But literally what happened was, is I got the full story of it. This was written in their textbooks in the village. And literally in the textbooks, it says the crocodile got the Pumbaa tribe to the land. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, originally there was no one here. And to get over to the land, the Pumbaa tribe came and they crossed over a river and they walked on the crocodile's heads. So they celebrated the crocodile. And I was all like, that's crazy. But then I remembered something and um, it was written in Reinhardt's autobiography. There was one time he had a dream. He was walking, you know, behind a house and he was literally walking down a pathway through a river and crocodiles were jumping up, trying to eat him, trying to kill him. And God brought this to my memory and I was all like, man, what does the crocodile mean? I looked it up. It means danger ahead. You know, it's, it's idol worship. It means evil. Like, it's just bad. So Reinhardt has this dream and literally this dream, you know, he has of this walkway and these crocodiles going. But guess what? The next day he went to a lady's house. It was a donor. It was somebody that he was meeting, a big business lady. And she's all like, she wants to give Reinhardt millions of dollars. She sits Reinhardt down, pulls out the portfolio, you know, reads the story, reads all the stuff, reads everything, you know. And she's like, I'm going to give you millions of dollars. And you're not going to have to worry about money for crusades ever again. Pretty great deal, huh? Until she takes him on a tour of the house and she takes him out back to the backyard. And guess what's in the back? The same path, the same backyard in his dream. He turns around, he goes inside, he sits down and politely says, ma'am, this money is not for me. And he walks out of the house. 
And I'm sitting there and I was all like, this crocodile thing's bad. And God's just like, and I literally at that moment, I'm like, I need to call my friend who is a prophet and get the prophet to pray. And I literally text my friend because listen, when you honor giftings and you have a people, you have an army around you and you can lean on people's giftings and get understanding, you know, you can't do this thing on your own. I call, the, I call and literally as I text, this prophet friend of mine walks outside in, in the United States, in Washington, D.C., and as she's walking out, a tree fell outside of the house. After I, just told, after I just sent her the video of the tree falling. And she goes, Joe, I don't know what's happening there. She goes, but... I'm, you know, I'm with you. I'm praying with you. Like, give me five minutes, you know, give me 10 minutes. And she starts praying and she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I need to call every leader in the city. I need to call every bishop. I need to call every, every tribe person. And we need to repent of, you know, worshiping the creator instead of, you know, worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And I was like, man, how, how are we going to do this? And so I literally, literally called everyone. We met, you know, on the crusade stage and then I get a text and I get a message and she's just like, I want you to know this, that you can't break this curse, Joe. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't break this curse? You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm an evangelist. Like I'm breaking this curse. She goes, no, the people of Kahama, the tribal leader, the bishops and the people in authority have to break the curse. And I didn't like that. You know, because I was the one who wanted to do it. But guess what? I yielded to that gifting. I yielded to that word. I yielded to the people around me. And guess what? I yielded to that, to that gifting, to that person. I went there on the field and I brought a fake crocodile because what we do at Crusades is, guess what we do? When we break curses and we do things, we throw things in a fire barrel. Why? Because we're awesome. <laughs> There's no reason. Like, that's just what we do. And uh, so we go to the field that night and I look at the leaders and I look at the tribal people and I said, look, we got to repent. I said, but I can't do it. You guys got to do it. And I preached the gospel and I got the sermon. I, land, I, you know, I brought up all the bishops on stage and I handed them the mic and these guys locked arm. I kid you not. They locked arms side by side in unity, tribal people, bishops, city mayor, all these people, I'm locking arms with them. We get down on our knees and, you know, in a crowd in front of 50,000 people, they repent on behalf of the city. I'm talking like 50,000 people repenting in the city, led by the top leaders, by the top bishops, by the top, top you know, the tribal person, the chief guy, he's gone on the side. And guess what? He's repenting in the tribal language. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm feeling the ground shake. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling some type of way. And I was like, man, I never felt something like this. I was like, this is about to get crazy in here. You know, and they repent and they all stand up. And let me tell you something. The place erupted like I've never seen the glory of God before in my life. They walked down, they took that fake crocodile, they put it in the fire, and guess what? As one body, as one city, they repented on behalf of witchcraft that they've done, rebellion that they've been in, you know, that they were worshiping the creation, that they were exalting something else above other than Jesus. That's what witchcraft and all that rebellion and all that, you're exalting something other than Jesus. You know, we live in a day and age like, man, we're, we, don't, we don't really do any of that. We're not into that. Guess what? 
When you're practicing idolatry, when you're putting other, your faith in other things and you're using different things and you're putting your faith in it, guess what? You better be careful. When you put your faith in your job, when you put your faith in your own works, when you put your faith in yourself, guess what? You're exalting yourself above Jesus. When you're putting your faith in your own natural talents and not the gifting that God has placed in your life and not the Holy Spirit and you're not operating from the Spirit, but you're operating from the flesh, guess what? You are in a place that is not with God. And that's what this city repented of. And I'm telling you, man, man, the Holy Spirit came, the place erupted, 50,000 people going crazy. I'm sitting on the stage. I was like, man, I have nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do with this. I'm just a person here serving the Lord and I was just obedient to be like, man, something's really wrong in this city. And I asked them what it was. I literally asked the leaders, you know, what it was. They saw what the problem was. They repented on themselves. I didn't even give the instructions to repent. I would have went up there naturally and been like, I bind in the name of Jesus. And I would have done my whole evangelist thing. And I would have thought like, you know, I'm crushing this thing with my power and my might and all this thing. But I yielded to the other gifting and callings in people's life. Because when we yield to the people around us and we flourish, you know, all together in our giftings, we'll see something that we've never seen before in our entire lives. And then from that night, from 50,000 people that night, it jumped up to 86,000 people the next night. Because the whole town heard. And then the final night, it jumped up to 107,000 people in a field. 107,000 people out of a town of 150,000. I'm going to show you a video because like some people like you can't grasp it until you see it i want to it was the where's the guy with the video this is the last night i had everybody take their phone out and light it up this is what jesus can do when people sow everything they have this is what jesus can do with lives laid down This is what Jesus can do where there's unity. You ask yourself, like, man, you know, that's amazing that we see that in Africa. But how many people know we need to see it right here in America? And it's not going to happen unless, guess what? We lay down our lives and we honor one another. We come together in unity. And we start culturing this gifting that's inside of us. Because guess what? You can see this. We just got back from uh, Williamsburg. It was the birthplace of a nation. I know you guys heard the team last week. and It was an amazing thing. Um, you know, we saw unity like no other. And you're like, Joe, how do, how, do, how do you get unity? You know, is it something that you do? No, it's literally the gifting that is placed upon our lives is that when we go into an area and we lift up the cross, when you lift up Jesus, guess what? People come together. People come together. And we went to Williamsburg, we saw over 20 churches unified, Anglican, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, and in a town of 15,000 people, over a course of three days, 3,600 people came to that field, and right around 923 people gave their life to Jesus in that city. I'm here to tell you that 
that this one thing is that um, I think the reason why we don't see it in our lives and we don't see the things that we desire to see is literally because, you know, pride gets in the way of it all. You know, we feel like we need to be heard. We feel like we need to be noticed. We feel like, you know, we can do a better job. We feel like that it relies upon us. But let me tell you something. For If I thought in a second that it relied on Joe Turnbull and his abilities, I would never see the stuff that I've been seeing. I've literally seen 60,000 people give their life to Jesus in the last few months. And it's not because of who I am but it's because of who he is. And I've learned that the more that I sow my life, the more that I sow my time, the more that I sow, the more that I give, the more that I become, the more that I lay everything down. When I talk about lay everything down, I'm talking about when you lay your wife on the altar, when you lay your kids on the altar, when you lay your finances on the altar, when you lay your time on the altar and you say, Jesus, I'm all in, I'm here, I'm going for it. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care if anybody thinks I'm crazy going into Williamsburg, Virginia, one of the most prestige areas on the land that was the first mental health hospital built by Rockefeller, the strongholds, the Freemasonry, all this stuff. And they say, they said, Joe, I don't think you know what you're walking into. I, I said this, I don't think you know who I know. I don't care that we just see this in Africa because they're like, Joe, you can't do this here in America. I said, why not? Because I serve a God that's almighty, that's all-knowing, that's all-powerful. And the more that I yield to him, the more that I sow my time, the more that I sow my life, the gifting that God has placed on my life and the grace becomes to empower. And when you steward that thing well, it grows and it blossoms when you don't care. Because I went to Africa, I spent months in Africa, walking down the streets in sand, sun beating on my face, chap lips, sitting in front of pastors, hours upon hours. And if anyone knows me, you know I can't sit and listen to people that long naturally without saying anything to them. But I'm telling you, when I go into these places and I sit down with these pastors and things get regurgitated to me, Brady was with me, I'm sitting down in a breakfast and this pastor is spewing nonsense at me that like, hey, we can't be a part of this crusade because we don't like your worship. And yeah, it works over there, but it's not going to work here. But I'm sitting there and I'm just smiling. I'm being gracious. I'm being kind. I'm being loving to him. And I walk away and I walk him to his car and I pray for him and I walk back and Brady's looking at me. He's all like, he goes, bro, is that the devil? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I finally, I come back like to myself and I'm like the, you know, the gifting, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, like not that it lift, but like I come back like to my natural state of mind and I'm like, oh yeah, that was crazy. I can't believe he said all those things. When I step on stage and I don't know what to say and I don't know how to break these curses and I don't know the formal thing of repentance, but when I yield to the Holy Spirit and he gives me wisdom and he says, hey, this is the key to the city that's going to unlock the door to bring revival to a town. Guess what? That has nothing to do with me, but the people around me and the grace of God and the gifting upon my life. There's people here that have giftings upon your life and you're not util utilizing them. You're not stewarding them. 
You say, Joe, man, how did you come to a place of shaking nations? Let me tell you how I came to a place of shaking cities, taking regions, taking territories. I came to a young adults group called ATM by a guy named Pastor Dominic Butler, and I sat in the front row, and I worshiped God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, and I didn't care what I looked like, and I went downtown every Friday night preaching in the streets, coming out of work with mastic on me. I looked back at the pictures, and I was like, bro, this guy was in his work clothes. What were you thinking? But I walked the streets. I learned how to operate from the Holy Spirit by preaching the gospel in the streets of Newport Ritchie, downtown Main Street. Feeding people pizza, laying down my life, working 50, 60 hours a day, and then going to ministry, stacking chairs at late at night, you know, in Club 180 with Pastor Jeff Queen, stacking chairs from 7 to 8.30, getting ready for the next day in youth group. And people were like, man, Joe, how do you go, man? How do you run? How do you keep going? It has nothing to do with me, but let me tell you something. When God puts you on a path, when you step in his will, he empowers you. He fills you with wisdom. He fills you with strength. He gives you everything you need to get the job done. And I'm here to tell you today that let me tell you what's about to happen in the United States of America. We just took the birthplace of a region and we're going to go down the East Coast and we're going to hit city to city to city and we're going to see the glory of God manifested in cities like we've never seen before. And you say, Joe, how are you going to get it done? I am not going to get it done. Why'd we see that in Africa? Why did we see that in Williamsburg? It's because pastors like that got on a stage and unified and didn't care. Because there's something more to life than our selfish desires with ministry, with our selfish desires with our time, and us wanting to be like, man, what about me? What about my gifting? What about my talent? What am I going to do? Man, I'm not being used. I'm being overlooked. I'm here to tell you one thing that I've learned, and it's Proverbs 18, verse 16. It says this, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Your gift that's on your life will make room for you. You don't have to make room for yourself. You don't have to fight your way to the front. You don't have to fight your way to the top. You don't have to undercut people. You don't have to tell your boss something bad about someone else to make yourself look better. Let me tell you something. When the gifting of God and you operate from the spirit, guess what? He will make room for you. When you feel like you're stuck in a pit, guess why you feel like you're stuck in a pit? It's because you're not looking up at him. You're looking around at darkness. I've been there. I've been in situations where I was like, man, they just don't know what I can do. They just don't know when I get, you know, when I can preach. Your gift will make room for you. When you steward that gift well, when God can entrust you, when he can set that thing inside of you and he wants to show it to the world, I promise you this, that gift that's inside of you, it will make room for you. You don't have to fight for it, but what you do have to do is you have to step out and you have to start using it. I'm going to have the worship team come up for just a little bit. There's people 
in this room tonight, you feel like you've been overlooked, you've been worried about being successful, you've been worried about, is God honoring you? You've been worried about being noticed. Man, I'm here to tell you that God knows you, man. That God loves you. That he sees you right where you're at. Man. I look around at the people in this room. And there's an army in here, man. There's an army in here. There's Gold Street Garden here. People with giftings in your life. And it's time to step out and it's time to use your gifting. And you say, Evangelist Joe, I don't know what my gifting is. Well, there's two gifts that I know that you have. It's the gift of love if you're saved, and it's the gift of the Holy Spirit if you have salvation. And the greatest gift of all is what? Love. It's love. God is love. You want to know how to get unity in a city? Love. You want to see how a church can grow? Love. Love God. Love others. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is selfless. I promise you this, that the more that you start sowing you, the gift, your life, into the world, it doesn't have to be money, but just your time. Just come in here on prayer. The vision that God has gave you, and you're sitting around waiting for someone to notice it. You're in a self-centered place of wanting to be noticed. But the moment you start stepping out into that vision, and the moment God starts seeing you step out in faith, is the moment he'll bring increase in your life. He'll bring the things around you to make it happen. But you have to take a step. I remember my first step. It was downtown on Main Street. I was going out preaching the gospel, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, man, we should bring out some food here. And next thing you know, I have Miss Paula buying me some pizzas. The next thing I know, a guy named Tony and Bobby came along and they brought hot dogs. And then churches started coming along. We brought water. The next thing you know, we're marching down on Halloween night with the cross and I was bloody Jesus and we had torches and everybody was dressed up and it was crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you, it can get crazy quick. You can throw crocodiles on fires, you can see nations get shaken. It all gets crazy. But there's people here tonight, guess what? You haven't been taking your step into your gifting, into your calling. 
You've been thinking going to church that little bit, that little bit of time, giving your little bit of tithe, you think that's laying down your life. Laying down your life is stepping into the unknown. Laying down your life is starting to give things that way that don't make sense. Stepping into your calling is walking out on waters, not knowing if you're going to fall or not. When you start stepping out like that and you start giving your life like that, guess what happens? He begins to make you reap. And you start to reap. And then when you start reaping and you start to understand that principle of sowing and reaping, and that's not, the you know, the tithing is just a... The fact that we use that message just for tithing, like I, when I read this, I was like, my God, if we will sow our lives, if we will sow our time, if we will sow everything we have, guess what? We will start reaping. You say, what will you reap? Your destiny. Your destiny, your calling. And when you start stepping in that fullness, nothing in the world looks tasteful. You want to know how to get out of sin? Get into him. I just want you to close your eyes. There's people here tonight that Jesus, he purchased you with a price. Not such as silver or gold that you, you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, by the lamb, blemish, without blemish or spot. Tonight, God is here to redeem you, to redeem again, and to regain possession. There's people here that you have not been redeemed, and there's people here, guess what? It is your time to be regained as his possession, that you've drifted away into self, into your own life, into your own calling. And tonight, I believe tonight is a night of repentance. But the beautiful thing about repentance is you're turning into him and you're stepping into who you are, a gift from God, an indescribable treasure, the apple of God's eye the place where he gives you self-worth. And it comes from him because he's worthy. If that's you tonight, and you need to be redeemed, bought back, purchased, he wants to do that for you tonight. If that's you tonight, I just want you to stand to your feet right now. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand to your feet right now if that's you. I see you. I see you. You're his. Is there anyone else tonight you just, man, you want to be purchased? You want to be owned by Jesus. You don't want nothing else to own you. But you want him to own you. If that's you, just stand. Even if you're feeling a nudge in your heart a little bit. Yeah. 
I don't care if you said a prayer at five. I don't care if you said a prayer three months ago. Tonight's a new night. And tomorrow's a new day. And now is the time of salvation being purchased. Is there anyone else? Holy Spirit, right now. Redemption. Redemption from walking your own way.